This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. If you'd like to support Hiking Through Life, you can go to hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. We have t-shirts, water bottles, and we recently added stickers to the shop. Use the code podcast at checkout and receive 10% off your first order. There are other ways you can support this podcast as well. You can check those out at hikingthroughlife.net slash support. Also, be sure to sign up for our email list. You can do that by heading over to hikingthroughlife.net. Enter your email address and click subscribe. There's no commitment. You can unsubscribe at any time. As part of our email list, you'll receive our monthly newsletter. We'll also be sending out any promotional codes for Hiking Through Life gear. It's an excellent way to follow Hiking Through Life's journey. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we are joined by Frank, or otherwise known on social media as Speaking Quite Frankly. He's an avid traveler and adventurer across the USA. We are here to hear about his adventure of converting a hatchback into his camper and various adventures he's been on and hopefully inspire you to keep living the lifestyle of your dreams. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, Frank. Hey, it's great to be here. So I I kind of just want to know where all of the all of this lifestyle started, <laughs> the adventure yeah. lifestyle. That is an excellent question. I don't even know sometimes. I mean, my first memories in the outdoors were with Boy Scouts in high school and junior high. And even then, though, I didn't really like it. It was more of a social thing for me, but I was kind of on like the outside of the cir- social circle even for the Boy Scouts. And so I'm like, why do I love this so much? And uh, as I was thinking about it, it really came down to YouTube. And I was watching various people going on adventures and just kind of slowly fell into the idea of being outside and went on little hikes. And it kind of grew until I started doing giant cross-country road trips. So like, yeah, the YouTube thing, like at what point did that become... Like, when did you start watching that? Because like, like we were talking about how like social media has been such like a growth over the past years, we were kind of talking and yeah. What age were you watching these YouTube inspirational videos? Well, I was watching the tiny house videos. Uh, if you know anything about that and the YouTube algorithm, I mean, really my entire like adulthood now I can I can uh, thank YouTube for but I think the algorithm just kind of pushed me slowly until I was watching van life videos and I wanted to do my own adventure 
And I was thinking about saving up, buying a Sprinter van and, and all the expenses that go into that and all the conversions and all that. And then I looked in my own garage and I saw this hatchback and I thought, you know, if I lay the seats down, I think I can sleep in this. And I went on a one night overnight at a state park and it was pretty rough, uh, but I learned quite a bit and it just kept making improvements. So when you went on this one night overnight, literally all you did was just lay down the back seats and call it good, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so almost. Uh, I have a buddy and he's like, every time I go camping, I just eat granola bars. And so I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I just got a bunch of granola bars, had like no hot food or anything, just some water, granola bars. And then I had like one of those memory foam toppers it's like maybe two inches you yeah. just lay over your mattress so I took that and folded it on in half on my mattress which I quickly found or on the back of my seats I should say and I quickly found that was not going to be enough uh, but at that point it was too late so I had a kind of a rough night on this too thin of a mattress pad uh, it was super hot I don't remember the temperature but I just remember like sweating like crazy and um I learned, okay, I'm going to have to find a way to roll down the windows without letting bugs in. I'm going to have to find a way to heat up water so I can, you know, have coffee in the morning and all those sorts of things. Yeah, without letting bugs in. I hope by now you've discovered that there's like those nets you can put over the windows. Yeah, those are incredible. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. like, they're actually like for your kids, right? If you don't want your kid to get too much sun while you're driving, but they double as this bug net thing and they're incredible. Yeah, yeah. We found those worked amazingly when we were like sweating and so hot on our road trip, but needed some air, but it really didn't bring much air ventilation at all. And then we ended up buying like this teeny fan that really didn't help either. <laughs> sure. So what state were you in when you did this first state park adventure? Yeah, it was in Texas in October. And so we're talking mosquitoes. I mean, October in some areas of the country is really nice, but in Texas, I mean, we're still dealing with a lot of heat down here, a lot of humidity, and it was just bad. And when was this? Uh, man, this was probably 2018. Okay, so not too long ago. No, yeah, it's pretty recent. Um, and then once I kind of worked out the kinks from there, I did a five-day road trip from Dallas down to the Texas coast, and that was uh, like... I had unheard of. I couldn't believe what I was doing um, as I was doing that five-nighter. And that was kind of my big like push on my own after that one night. So for that five-day one, like what were some of the biggest like aha moments you had that really helped you kind of change the way your change your lifestyle into what it is now today? For sure. So I did a bunch more research. Thank you, YouTube and podcasts and, and all the, the people out there giving out tips. I definitely took advantage of that. So one of the, the big things I found was it's called a foam sheet on Amazon. And it's basically a twin mattress that's just completely foam and you can cut it to whatever shape you need. So I basically cut that out to the exact size of the back of my car. So I had a nice like firm mattress I could sleep on. Well, and that's gotta be pretty budget friendly too, I'm imagining. Yeah, I did the entire conversion for less than $400. So the mattress is the most expensive piece. I think it was like 70. Um, I'm sure you could get it cheaper, but I just went off Amazon and 
it worked fine for me. So the faux mattress. Okay. So that your seats were down. You had this faux mattress laying there. Yep. And then you put a fitted sheet on that. And then I just found the sleeping bag out of my closet threw that back there. And then um, I went to an REI garage sale, picked up a jet boil, which was pretty lucky. That was a $20 find. And then the problem was food. And uh, so I'm thinking, okay, I don't have refrigeration. I don't have solar. What am I going to eat out here? And I started eating a lot of those, like, they're like pasta sides. Yeah. Like the Nor K-N-O-R-R. Yes. Those yes. Ones. Yes. Yeah, so many different flavors. <laughs> and so you just need to boil water and you pour those in. You're good to go with like a can of tuna. <laughs> so I remember I didn't own a can opener. And so I specifically went out and bought a can opener for my road trip. So I could have canned tuna. <laughs> like, I mean, they do make them in the packs that you just like rip off. But those ones are more expensive, I think. And at, at this time, I I didn't even know that there was rip-off tuna packets that I could use for like backpacking and things. So yeah, that's kind of how it got started. And um, first night, headed down through Waco, hit Magnolia Market and all those fun, uh, trendy spots, and then continued to Austin Uh, which I had never been to Austin, Texas. I think that was night two or three. And I remember um, what was so funny is it was Christmas Eve. So of course you have to go to church on Christmas Eve. And I'm walking into church thinking, no one here knows that I just slept in my car for two nights. And everyone's like in their Christmas Eve attire. And I'm just walking in as a a brand new budding van lifer. So... I mean, were they kind of looking at you if you looked like a van lifer? Were you dressed nice at all? Were you smelly a little bit? (laughs) I didn't smell myself and uh, (laughs) I didn't notice anyone looking at me any certain way at all. (laughs) So it was quite the experience. And uh, I learned, hey, you can do this and live a normal life. Right, right. I mean, so that was on your your five-day one. So that was just like kind of... One of the moments where you're just like, yeah, I I can do this. This this exactly. seems like it's a good fit for me. And I mean, just hearing that you had no really experience prior to this with like traveling in a car, living in your car. I mean, you didn't even really have camping experience because you had just brought granola bars on your first <laughs> camping trip. Hey, there's nothing wrong with granola bars. No, no, there's not. I mean, you're missing a little bit of nutrition, but that is how lots of through hikers live. I mean, sure. Tuna, granola bars, all of that. I mean, yeah, nothing wrong with it. But there right. is nutrition you can have when you're out on the road. <laughs> right. Well, and people will ask me all the time, like, hey, how do I can how can I live your lifestyle? And I always just I recommend exactly what I just said, which is start with what you have and go one night, you know, go one night. Just book one night at a state park and see how it goes and then go home, assess, and then try two nights, try five nights and kind of grow and you'll learn along the way. Yeah. And I love that you said, start with what you have. I mean, that's so, so true. Like, cause we like encouraging people to get outdoors and start camping and hiking and like, yeah, that's the thing. You don't need to like get all of the newest adventure gear and go to REI and spend your whole savings account. You can do it from what you have. It's it's that simple. Exactly. And as I said, I was thinking I have to buy a $100,000 Sprinter van just to go to a national park and come to find out you can do the whole thing in, in whatever you have now. 
So have you had any like major problems, like technical problems traveling? <laughs> yes, huge, huge problem. So uh, after that five night was done, the next big thing I wanted to do, I really wanted to do coast to coast. And I like knew that that was going to be um, like a really fun adventure when I could make that happen. And so on that adventure, one of the first stops was Big Bend, which is South Texas. And it's about 10 hours from Dallas where I was at the time. And so I'm, you know, a 10 hour drive away. And all of a sudden, I think it was a rock or a bird, but something comes flying at my car from like in the middle of Big Bend, which if you've been there, it's just this giant open area and like this giant stretch of road. And I see this little black dot and it's coming towards me. And I'm thinking that's gonna hit my car. And as soon as I think that, it hits my sunroof and completely shatters it. And so I'm driving along in the middle of nowhere. I'm supposed to be there about three to five nights with a giant hole in the top of my, what I call my mini minivan or hatchback car. And I would say that's probably the biggest problem I had. Um, so I had a roll of duct tape because I didn't know. So I threw that in there and uh, fortunately it came in handy and I just stretched that across and basically created a nice somewhat watertight seal so I could continue with the journey. That's fantastic. Yeah. Duct tape has so many amazing purposes. Yeah. Always have a roll of duct tape, whether you're hiking and you just wrap around a chapstick or you're road tripping, you should always have a roll of it. Absolutely. So, I mean, you you were still able to sleep in your car with that duct tape on there for, I mean, did you eventually fix it once that five day adventure was over or? I did. Yeah. No, it's, it's still there now. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> Two so years later. I did. Yeah. I had to get the, um, you know, get, take it to a mechanic and get it swapped out, which was quite expensive. Auto glasses is not something to mess with. Um, beyond that, really the biggest challenges I've had are, um, off-road like dirt roads because it is just a car so sometimes dirt roads I have to go pretty slow on them which can um, get exhausting and then uh, finding a place to sleep sometimes has has been a challenge so you're saying you have to go pretty slow on them just because like the the wheels aren't made for that type of terrain yeah, the real the wheels, the whole thing. I mean, the whole the whole dashboard will start shaking, and the car will start going everywhere. And so you just gotta slow it down and and make it down the dirt road. So I don't do a lot of dirt road driving, but sometimes like just to get to wherever I'm supposed to go, I need to go like an extra mile or two on the dirt. And so I'll I'll hit it up. Well, right, because are you doing a lot of just like national forest camping when you're doing this type of lifestyle? Or yeah, it's kind of all of the above, uh, National Forest and and what um, a lot of people call BLM land, Bureau of Land Management um, owned land are, are great places. And I can get to many of those pretty easily. I just can't get deep into the forest. Um, and then beyond that, there's always campgrounds and other places you can park for a night. So do you prefer to be in a campground with neighbors or do you prefer to be out there in the BLM land? On I your definitely own? prefer to be out there and really what I found is you can't have a pretty campsite that's free and has wi-fi service. Those three just don't exist and so it's always a trade-off like if you're paying for a campground you might be able to get like service on your phone which gives you a little bit more comfort 
but it's not going to be pretty. Um, or if you're like way out in the middle of nowhere, you don't have cell service, but it's super pretty and it's free. And so you just kind of got to keep trading off until you, um, you know, and, and it all adds up to a really fun lifestyle, but you don't have all your comforts every night. Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of the most, like you said, like most beautiful breathtaking places can be way out there, but do you bring any sort of like safety measure with you, like a GPS or anything? Uh, are you tracking me? I don't know if I should tell you my <laughs> safety plan. So yeah, I I also get that question a lot. And um, a lot of women will, will, you know, be texting me about like the fear they have of just going out and doing like an overnight camping trip. And so um, I personally have pepper spray on me. And then I also have my car clicker, which has the, the panic button on it. So um, those are two like really things that make me feel secure. And when I'm sleeping in a dark car, it's always in the same section from that I put every night. So I know exactly where it's going to be, even if it's dark or I don't have my glasses on, I can grab that. And then I do have some people I text and you should always, no matter what you're doing when you're in the outdoors, tell people your plan. And so I do tell people um, where I'm going, when they should hear from me next and when to start worrying so that um, they know where I'm sleeping if something were to go wrong. Right. For sure. Like, yeah. We always take those measures too. And like, we usually go out, like there's usually two of us, but it sounds like you're doing most of these solo. Yeah. And I can tell you, I mean, those first few trips and first few nights, I'd be like laying in my car and every noise you hear, you're like, is that a bear? Is that someone coming to get me? And then you start to realize people are always, are all doing their own thing. They don't really want to come out after you. It's not like the movies and you can just enjoy your life and enjoy your time out there. And so now I hear noises and just kind of put in a podcast or something, just kind of ignore it. Yeah. I guess it's just like anything, you know, like the more you get out there and do something, it, it just becomes the norm and second nature to you really. And it's not even scary. I mean, what about you're not worried about any of the animals out there on your own? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I mean, first of all, I am terrified of mountain lions. I've never seen one in the in the wild, but I swear that they're watching me every time I go hiking. And so, you know, you just you want to be aware. You want to be aware of your surroundings and what um what could happen and just be prepared for that. Um, and then also the first time I hiked in bear country, I remember, cause you know, I have a bunch of food in the car and I'm at uh, Yellowstone National Park thinking, um, are they gonna break into my car? Do I need a bear box? Can I sleep here with food? Like what's good, like am I gonna wake up with a grizzly in my lap? How does this work? And so you just kind of, as you go, you get more and more experience and you see what the what people are doing and, and how to be bear aware and, and be safe in those types of environments. Right. Yeah, I know. Cause like thinking back to that, like we were, we did sleep in not in Yellowstone, but near Yellowstone with a bunch of food in our car. And I mean, we had a dog with us. So I felt like our dog was a pretty like protective matter for that. But going out alone, I would definitely have some some worries for my for my own sake yeah there's definitely more more risk involved when you're by yourself i do feel really safe when i'm at national parks or places that are more populated just because there are a lot of people around um and i i do travel with people i invite people on my travels all the time when i first started doing this people would look at me like 
like I was crazy and then be like, why would I want to sleep in the back of a hatchback with you? There's no space and um, doesn't sound like fun to, to me. And then as I started going and finding all these beautiful places and putting up photos, I then had all these people saying, hey, when can I go with you? What can I, you know, when's your next trip? How can I jump on with that? And so it's definitely kind of grown and, and been a fun experience with that. And I've had friends fly and meet me, um, you know, if they only have a few days somewhere and we'll go adventure for a few days. I drop them off at the airport and they fly home and I keep going. And like, when you say these friends, like, are these friends that are like finding you off social media from your Instagram or friends that you know from your personal life? Both. And um, a lot of them are friends from, you know, before I started traveling, but then there are a lot of people on Instagram that um, you start to connect with and we'll invite you out hiking or you'll you'll like notice you're in the same area and you've been following them for a few years. They've been following you and you think, hey, this would be you know fun to actually meet and grab a beer or coffee or something. Right. I mean, totally. That's like the beauty in social media these days. There's so many, so many connections that people can make through. I mean, the outdoors culture on online is really amazing, I think, too. And there's like so many Facebook groups where people are connecting and sharing tips and all everything. It's really incredible. Yeah. And I've just had so much fun outside. I just love when I meet someone and they, you know, I can inspire them to go and have their own adventures and, and be a part of the outdoor community as well. And so is was that kind of like your drive for starting your social media account just to inspire others to do this? <laughs> I think I started social media with the same uh, reason a lot of people do, which is vanity. And I just wanted people to think I was awesome. And then quickly found that that doesn't really bring any happiness or joy when you're really seeking to make yourself happy. And so I do think now every time I post, I think about the people seeing the, the photo and I really want them to, uh, I want to encourage them, lift them up and encourage them to go out and enjoy nature uh, through, through social media. So it's definitely shifted through the years. So you're saying like at first you were just kind of going out to get insta famous as the term goes or <laughs> i think that was one of the motivating factors i had yeah and um i remember very specifically i climbed a a 14er in colorado as my first one and so for those that don't know mountain over 14,000 feet which is kind of a pretty big deal and so the first time i got on top of one got a picture and posted it i was all excited and for whatever reason that post didn't do so well and i only got like half the likes I typically do. And I actually kind of like had a little bit of depression and like was upset about it. And then I thought, okay, why, why, why am I letting my mood get swayed by a social so much? And um, actually took it down for a little bit and then um, came back with this new mindset of, Hey, let's, let's focus on encouraging other people and focus on helping other people win. Right. Well, you know, I don't even think like, I think so many people are in that mindset and in those shoes that you just explained, like they go through this like depressive state of having this expectation that this photo is going to get so many likes. And if it doesn't get a bunch of likes, then that, then you start comparing yourself to all these other people out there. Yeah. But just like we were talking about, like before being authentic is one of the biggest pieces to the social media world these days. Yeah. 
So, I mean, in what ways have you stayed authentic to yourself after having that realization? Hmm. <laughs> That's a great question. I think, well, one of the things I was pretty insecure about was I lost all my hair. And so I don't have hair. And um, when I was first posting, you know, I shaved my head completely um, bald and I, I would always have a hat on. And when it really um, exposed that to the world and just everyone saw me with the hat on and I was a hiker with a hat on. They didn't know that I was bald. And then one day I was in Arches National Park and I actually forgot my tripod. So I was taking a picture of myself and I uh, had to be a selfie. And I realized it just kind of lined up perfectly where the arch looked like it was my hair. And so I took the hat off and took a picture with the arch as my hair. And I was like, that's hilarious, but I can't post it because everyone's going to know I don't have hair. And then one day, you know, I kind of worked up the courage and I posted it and, um, and just was like, hey, this is who I am. There's no reason to hide it. And I mean, did you, what were the reactions you got from that? <laughs> I think a lot of people just thought it was funny. Um, a lot, you know, I don't know if there's other people with thinning hair or, or, um, you know, guys that are insecure out there or even women, um, that have a similar issue, but I would hope that they would look at, you know, a post like that and say, oh, like, you know, that's kind of fun. You can really take whatever makes you unique and, and push it out into the world and people will like it. Right. No, I love that perspective that it's just going back to being authentic and empowering others to have this positive outlook on things that some people it's mostly just like your own self that you're not seeing as beautiful in its own way like I think we are our biggest judges of ourselves you know absolutely absolutely and I think if you're out there having a good time other people will um, see that and, and enjoy that yeah. And a lot of times, yeah, we are just so insecure. At least I deal with that, my own insecurities. And I've had to learn um, that I don't need to worry about what other people think. I just need to do what what I enjoy. Absolutely. So I'm curious, like what you're, you do this full time. Do you have a job or I mean, what, how do you make a lifestyle out of this? Sure. Yeah. That's probably the, one of the biggest questions I get, maybe second or third, most, most common questions I have is, is how, how do I make money on the road? And so uh, a few different things, uh, it's kind of a journey, but I started actually, I was selling recreation space um, as like a rental opportunity um, at a resort for people that could go in out, out and, and rent the space and have a good time and um, traveling while I was doing that. And so I take PTO, do it on weekends. And then that job itself required travel. So sometimes I'd be up in Colorado and then I'd work until Friday and I'd just book my flight home on, um, on Sunday. And so that's how I kind of got to travel out. This was probably 2016, 2017. When I started uh, traveling in the van, then I picked up um, a new job, which now I work in a nonprofit and I can do it remote and it makes it super easy to work on the road. And then just recently, I had several um, companies and, and accounts ask kind of around the sim same time if I do any type of social media marketing because they were seeing my page grow and they I think they just kind of liked um, the vibe I was putting out. And so now I started a social media marketing company and I'm working with different brands and I'm able to do that from the road as well to just um, help their brands grow, which I actually like more than growing my own brand. Uh, I really like seeing them win and seeing their pages take off and people um, rally around their products. 
So you started this company. I did. Yeah. And what's that one called? So long story short, I filed and then someone else filed for the same name uh, within like oh, the same week. And so I have it in Texas and they have it in Utah. So I'm going to have to change the name. I don't know what I'm going to change it to yet. So if you have any ideas, uh, let me know. I can definitely keep operating in Texas. It just will get, you know, confusing if we have two people doing the same thing in different states. And are you looking to help people market like on a like outdoors or is it just a wide variety of things? Yeah, right now it's all outdoor brands that I'm I'm utilizing, but I think the the methods that we're doing really work with any type of um, style or work. And I actually do have a friend, she's a social media mark, um, influencer for fitness. And I worked with her for a few weeks and it, it worked just the same. So I don't work with her currently, but I mostly just do outdoor and, and can do any, any type. Awesome. So, and that's really recently is evolving. It sounds like it is. Yeah. It's, it really started maybe two months ago and it's been growing and, and I'm just having a good time with it. Cool. And so right now you said you are you're not in your van at the moment or in your hatchback at the moment. So right now you're in Texas. Correct. And is this home base like a, is it a friend's house, family's house? Yeah. So I actually, I have a house that I rent out in Texas. And so that's an opportunity for me to make a a third revenue stream. And then um, I can crash here as well. So you're renting out, is this through like Airbnb or? No, it's people I know. Okay. Nice. Yeah. What a cool way to do it. I mean, there's so many opportunities when people just look through a different lens at the opportunities that can be out there. Yeah. I think a lot of people start out thinking, I mean, I was in this boat too. I'll post some photos and then I'll get some big brands before you know it. I'll be modeling Patagonia or the North Face on some mountain and it doesn't really work like that. I mean, if, if you can can land enough uh, sponsorships, you can live off it, good for you. But um, you really need to find your own creative ways of, of making money on the road. Um, and then you can have this lifestyle. So you have your business that you're starting. Is there any other um, ways that you have income <laughs> yeah, coming in? They're kind of being revealed slowly. Maybe yeah. I should have just started showing all my cards. So yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I work with this nonprofit and then, uh, and that's like primary, that's where I get insurance. And then I have the business I started and then revenue from the house. And then the third thing is if I like work with a brand or something for a short, a short period of time, but that is, it's more just like fun money or travel expenses because it definitely doesn't pay the bills. Right. For sure. And I mean, from what I see, so many people kind of go into social media marketing thinking, and even podcasting thinking they're going to make a bunch of money overnight. And like, it definitely is not at all that case whatsoever. Yeah, you definitely, I mean, you're starting your own small business as well with the podcast and same thing with like the YouTubers, you know, they're working really hard to get that content out. And I I definitely want to support any way I can, because I think that's an awesome way to earn a, a little bit of money on the side and potentially make it your, your main thing if it works out. Well, totally. And I think it just goes back to like 
remembering why you are doing what you're doing. Like you talked about how you just love influencing people to like go do these awesome things outdoors. And like this podcast, I just love connecting with the people on the outdoors platform that social media offers. And like, yeah, the small money that can come from it is awesome. But at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, I think keeping in mind and in check with your own self, like what's the reason you're doing this? is what we need to keep reminding ourselves of. That's yeah, that's so good. Like, are you, are you having a good time with it? And are you enjoying yourself? And I mean, the time we have is so short, so make the most of it and and really uh, enjoy every day. Yeah. So what does your like close family and friends think of this lifestyle that you're leading? (laughs) I think, uh, well, I'll start with my mom because she's the best. I have the best mom in the world. Um, And if you really want to fight about it, I guess we can. But um, my mom, I think at first was pretty nervous about it, but now like, it's just so excited to see all these pictures that I'm coming back with and like thinks it's so cool that her son gets to go out and experience all these fun things. And I got to go on a few hikes with her and my dad. And that was, that's always just a really fun time when I get to show them out in nature. Extended family, um, I think a lot of them don't use socials. They don't really get it, but um, I showed them one of the, like the brand sponsorships I had. I sent them a, a video I did with Nature Valley and they just were like, wait, we know Nature Valley and you're holding it. Like, that's cool. And so they get really excited about that. Um, and then, I th- yeah, a lot of friends that I see will be like, shouldn't you be on top of a mountain right now? Or, uh, you know, <laughs> saying things like that. So I think most people are supportive and um, if they're not, I don't hear about it. Yeah. Nature Valley. So was that the granola bars you brought on your first camping trip? Is that how you scored that sponsorship? <laughs> no, that's hilarious. I don't even know how I got, when I first got a message from them, I thought it was spam. I was like, Nature Valley isn't contacting me, which I only did a very small thing, um, for them. I didn't like film a commercial or something. But um, the granola bars I took on my first trip were, um, uh, they were like a protein. But I remember I didn't want chocolate because I was going to melt. So I was like, I got to find something that doesn't have any chocolate in it. And uh, I can picture it, but why can't I think of the name? It was um, the complete cookie. So oh sure, I'm going to classify it as a protein bar. I don't know. Maybe I lied earlier and your listeners will email you and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I had complete cookies and I think they were sugar or peanut butter because I didn't want any chocolate. Yes. I mean, yeah, those protein, I mean, any protein bar is amazing on (laughs) on a camping trip. What's your go-to? For like protein bars or just like camping food in general? Uh, No, no protein bars. I don't, we... We're, we're saying basic here. Okay. Um, definitely. Like we're just big Costco fans, to be honest. And <laughs> we just, we love the, the Kirkland brand protein bar. Yeah. Um, they have a chocolate chip flavor and a, like a chocolate fudge brownie flavor. And they're one of the, we're very budget friendly minded as well. And they're, yeah, same. they're like one of the, the best deals you can find at Costco, unless like there's some other ones on sale. There's like a kind one that's similar to Kind Bar. It's like the Kirkland brand Kind Bar, basically. Yeah. And sometimes that's on sale. So that's a better deal once in a while. <laughs> but nice. they're, they're nuttier. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I'm in town, um, you're going to have to get me a, a box of them because I'm not a Costco member. Oh, so yeah, for sure. Trade off. 
So do you come to Minnesota often? Because that's where we are. Um, no, never been up there. Actually, that's one of the few states I haven't hit yet. It's on the list. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's a state that many people seek out to travel. But from what I've heard of people who travel here, they, they're often surprised by the beauty it does have to offer. Sure. Like, especially yeah. like our up north area, we have an area called the North Shore. And um, there's the Superior Hiking Trail. Perhaps you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yep, that people through hike, and that's becoming pretty popular over the last few years. So there is yeah. lots of lots of beauty up here. Yeah, that's... I mean, there's beauty in in all states. Some of them, it just hits you in the face. Other states, you really have to look for it. And so I'm sure if I got up in that in that area, I'd, I'd seek something out, do some research, and and have a great time. Yeah. What's your favorite state you've been to? Okay, I'm huge on Utah. Um, I think I would love Arizona too. I just haven't had a lot of time in that state. My grandmother loved Arizona. She really wanted to be a cowgirl and, and just kind of loved the idea of it. And, um, she passed right before COVID and I was planning on doing a trip to Arizona, but then COVID happened and Arizona shut down. So I spent an extended time in Utah and just loved the, the red rocks and the desert and just that whole environment. There aren't many mosquitoes or bugs, so you don't need the bug screens we talked about earlier. Um, so yeah, I could I could do Utah for months on end, I think. Yeah, um, my brother lives in Utah and he just sends us pictures constantly, whether it's snowboarding or some awesome hike in the Slot Canyons. And yeah. I just, we need to get down there and visit him soon because it looks amazing. We've never been there. For sure. So Utah or Arizona, and currently you're in Texas. Where's your, how long are you going to be there for? Do you have a next destination? Do you usually plan your destinations? Yeah, I usually have like bigger trips lined up. Um, Everything obviously has changed. And so things are a little bit dicey and different right now. So I'm talking with a friend and we're hoping to hit Death Valley, um, maybe in the next month or two. And then I have a uh, permit to hike in Havasu, Havasu Creek, but they haven't reopened the Indian reservation yet. And so I'm not sure um, whenever the tribe feels comfortable letting people in, they're going to have guidelines with COVID, um, but they've been closed down for almost a year now. Um, But I really hope I can do that this spring. If not, I'll go whenever they reopen. Well, yeah, I mean, COVID and traveling has been affected by, yeah, so many people. Have you traveled a lot less in the last year because of that and stayed at your home base? I I might get some flack for this. I think I traveled more, um, but I traveled by myself. I really don't stop many places except for like gas stations. And like, I would always follow local guidelines. Um, And when your nature was like the one thing that was open. And so it was really um, easy for me to be out there. And it, it just kind of lined up well with me being out. And plus with, um, COVID, it made work less demanding, which opened up the door for more opportunity to do fun things. Um, but like I said, you know, you really have to, if you're going to go out and do a trip, you have to be mindful of if you're going to be around someone that's high risk and what the guidelines are from the CDC and local. And, And I would definitely keep all those in mind as I was going about. Right, for sure. I mean, 
Yeah, like you said, you just be conscious of it. And the outdoors just went wild when COVID happened. And yeah, I was really excited to see that happen. But at the same time, like a little sad that beautiful places have been getting more trashed than ever before. For sure. Yeah, it's been really hard. They actually, if you've seen the wave in you in Arizona, they just opened up permits for that to go from 16 to I think like 96 people a day. And I see things like that. And there's a part of me that's like really excited because I want people to get out in the outdoors. And then there's a big piece of me that um, just gets really upset and sad because these places might get trashed or uh, just not cared for. And I think that pushes me further to just encourage people to be educated. A lot of people just don't know. I didn't know the first few times I went out. I went off trail all the time and did all sorts of things I now look at. I'm like, oh, I, that wasn't allowed. Um, and so just helping to encourage people uh, or teaching people how to be outdoors uh, in a way that is responsible. Right, right. I think the more like people who are enthusiastic about it and can exactly educate in a positive way is going to spread more of a message. For sure. It's just spreading that message to the mass people. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I know, I mean, they are, I feel like a lot of places are getting better at it and putting signs up and, and, um, you know, I think there's ways you can be kind to people if you see things outside in the outdoors that are not permitted to have a conversation with someone kindly and say, hey, do you know that having a dog on trail is actually really destructive and it's not permitted in this area? And um, I actually had a conversation recently with someone in the national park because I, I told them, hey, if you post that, they they might see the photo and you could still get fined. So I just want to warn you that you, by bringing your dog out here and taking pictures, like you actually might be causing more damage and, and get a fine yourself. And um, then they they said they were sorry and didn't take their dog out anymore. So um, there's ways you can be you know a nice person about it and just help people see how to recreate responsibly. Absolutely. Yeah. Good for you for speaking up to that person because, I mean, I think a lot of people would kind of just like continue walking and just kind of like roll their eyes at that person. So, I mean, good for you for speaking up and for sure. letting them well, know I mean, the rules. Yeah. And it's not like I like came up to him like, Oh, you jerk. You know, it's like, I just right. try to be kind about it. Cause I know there's families like you out on the road that probably, you know, might have your dog in the car, or, you know, in a place or and boarded up and wish you could have your dog on that trail. And so it's just not fair if one person decides they want to break the rules and then soon everyone will. And before you know it, you'll have nice little, bags of blue dog poop all along the trail. Exactly. That's the other thing that just like blows my mind <laughs> that people are willing to pick it up and bag it, but not I know. it out. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't own a dog, but I just don't understand. It's like, please just take it with you. Like it's just part of being responsible. I know they're like halfway responsible for yeah. putting it in the bag. But it's worse in the bag because <laughs> it's in the bag. So I don't know how we can all, we all just need to find a way we could share this world. And um, please just, if you, if you're listening out there, the one thing we ask, pick up your dog poop. That's yes. all we need. <laughs> yes, please. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We, we own a dog and we're very, very avid poop picker uppers always <laughs> always I love that yeah 
So I want to go back to this $400 conversion. So you talked about like the foam mat, what else added up to $400? I mean, that's super cheap. (laughs) Yeah. So I push the seats up, put the foam mat down. I have like a duffel bag that goes under, like in the wheel well, that's where all my clothes go. And then the um, bug curtains, um, I guess, I'll call them bug curtains. They cost maybe five to ten dollars each, and I got four of them. Ended up not needing that many. I also installed the um, like rain guards you'll see on windows. Those are super helpful if I'm somewhere where I it's raining and I want to crack a window. You can bring it down and the rain doesn't come in. Or if it's like a, a place where um, maybe I'm camping stealth, like I talked to a manager and I'm sleeping in the parking lot, I can crack my window without people knowing that the window's open, makes me feel safer, and also gives me some fresh air. And then I think after that, it was really just the kitchen kind of started adding up when you, I had the jet boil, then you add, you know, some pots, pans, and, and uh, silverware and stuff, which when you're starting, just use whatever you have. Like my buddy was looking for a backpacking fork, and I said, how much does a fork weigh? Just get one from your kitchen and go backpacking. And then later you can buy the $20 ultralight fork, um, you know, when you save up money for that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah, we, (laughs) we have like the titanium sporks, the backpacking sporks and like, they are nice, but exactly. I started out with a plastic fork because it was lighter weight than one for my kitchen. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, plastic's fine. It just might break or whatever. Yeah, exactly. What you have to remember is, you know, as you do this, if you really like it, people are going to want to buy you gifts like throughout your life for birthdays, Christmas, um, and, you know, just, you know, a nice gift. And so a fork might be something they can purchase that doesn't cost too much. And so you don't need to invest in like everything right away. Plus you might do it and just hate it. And so you can sell me your gear if that's the case. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. There's um, I think the, the other big thing I should say was the sleeping bag did was quite a bit, but I ended up investing in, um, and this would probably would go above the $400 when I factor in it in now that I got this one, but it's a, one of the down ultralight ones I can use for backpacking as well. And I'm, I'm a pretty simple person. So I just wanted one I could use everywhere. So I'll use that to sleep in, in the, in the van and then also backpack with it. So do you do a lot of backpacking trips when you're out on your road trips too? Yeah, I don't really backpack by myself. Um, I tend to, like if there's a buddy that flies up, we might go like for a night or two out backpacking or it's more of um, like I'll do like a bigger planned trip and and go backpacking then with a group of people. I have only ever done one night backpacking solo and it was at the Black Canyon of the Gunnison. I really wanted to get to the bottom of that canyon and on a, a day trip hiking down and up is quite a bit. And so I went down there and actually met some people at the bottom and you know became friends and hung out down there. Yeah, I mean, that's where you can become like the best friends with people in an instant out in the middle of nowhere. And that's another amazing aspect of the outdoors, like the community that it brings. Yeah, it totally took me by surprise, like the first few times. And now I just love it. And, you know, when I'm hiking, I'll like say hi to everyone. And uh, my one friend was like, why are you, why are you saying hi to everyone here? I said, just wait, someone's gonna, someone's gonna like be really excited and say hi back. And like, 
lo and behold, maybe 10 minutes later, we were hiking along and this girl, like I started talking to her. It turned out she was like on this solo road trip and um, the night before, like had a flat tire and all this stuff. And she ended up hiking with us for like four hours and we just like really got to know her. And I was like, see, you just be nice to everyone and eventually you're going to make a friend. And it's just, it's fun to, to meet new people that way. For sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We would be best hiking buds because I love meeting all the people too. (laughs) Like when my husband hikes, he's just like, I'm great to hike solo. Like I don't really necessarily have to talk to anybody. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like, there's, there's needs for both. And there's some days where I really just want to like get out the miles and get somewhere before sunrise or whatever. And it really is just a lot of work. And then there's other days where I just want to be like, whoa, that leaf is awesome. I'm going to look at it for 20 minutes and then I'll proceed to do that. (laughs) And so, you know, you could really, um, yeah, but I think you and I would get along in short. (laughs) Right. But so, and then like when you take your car and go out to these BLM lands, do you ever like go, I mean, it's, you can't really go drive up to someone's like car. I mean, that would be, yeah. Cause they're more like like private areas out there. Yeah, everyone I've always ever met has been like on trail in daylight. It's just better that way. Um, by sunset, I'm not trying to make new friends. And I think it that's that's when you get creepy. Hey, I live in this van. Do you want to be friends? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so there's definitely like um, you got to use common sense <laughs> when you're out. Right, right, for sure. And I think people go out to... BLM lands, especially to like have that solitude and just like not be surrounded by people. Yeah. And some people go out to the trail for that as well. For sure. And like you said, there's like a good balance of both. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I'm not definitely not advocating going out in the woods and just making friends with every stranger you see, you know, use your common sense, be smart out there. Um, But I was, the first time I went to a national park, I you know, felt like I was way out in the woods and doing this crazy adventure. And then as I've now hiked and done more and more and more and more, a lot of times I go to national parks and it feels like I'm in public and it just, it feels really safe. And I know in my mind, like, even if I'm really hurt, I can still hike three hours, three miles out. And so I just feel safe the whole time. I think it puts me in a much better mood. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Cause there's, when you're in a national park, there's always other people there too. Yeah. I mean, if you get way out in the outskirts, I mean, things happen, you need to be safe. Um, but when you're on the, what I call like front country, when you're, when you parked in a paved road, like you had a paved parking space and there's people within, like you can hear people the entire time you hike, you're in a much safer environment than if you're out in some remote area. Absolutely. And I mean, you should definitely always still go in prepared on even those small hikes because anything can happen on a one mile hike, a two mile hike. Definitely. So do you have like a day pack that you always bring with you? Yeah, I uh, I do. And my day pack is a is a 40 liter, which is pretty big, but I, I'm that simple and I use it for backpacking as well. And I purchased it actually because it fits in the overhead compartment of a airplane that was like my what made me purchase it and so um, it's comfortable it feels like home and I've gone thousands of miles on it probably at this point and in there I always have um, you know the basics I have water purification I have a way to start fire 
a way to um, get attention. I have like a, a heat layer or, or like a warmth layer shelter in there and, and also in all the, the nine yards. Yeah, for sure. How about first aid kit? Hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it's in there. Um, I have been caught without a first aid kit before. Uh, do you want to hear about all my mistakes? So, well, that's where we learn from. I know, right? Um, man, this is so embarrassing. So this was my first time hiking in grizzly country. So I have my bear spray and I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm going to leave here bloody because of this, free, like a, a bear is going to attack me or something. Well, I slept on a rock and I um, like tore up my shin and was bleeding. You slept on a rock, but you were, were you in a tent or did you just fall and sleep on a rock? Like you were oh, so sorry, exhausted. Slipped, slipped. Oh, slipped. Okay. I slipped okay. on a rock. Got yeah. It. So I'm, I'm looking out for grizzly bears in the process, slip on a rock, tear up my shin. And I realized it didn't have any band-aids at that point. And so basically rolled up my pant leg and let it bleed into my sock as I hiked back to the car where I had my band-aids. So always have a first aid kit. Yeah. And always have bear spray on you. Yeah. Well, if you're in bear country, <laughs> if you're like in Walmart, you probably don't need it, but you might want it. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe for some of those crazies, you never know. Yeah. Hey, it's true. Bear spray <laughs> also is a great thing to have on hand. You know, if something goes wrong, I believe it is illegal to use it on a person, but like, if that's your last resort, I probably, like, I probably would use that instead of pepper spray. Yeah. And people should know that bear spray does expire. Yes. But when it expires, you can drop it off at a DNR office. Hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. And then they'll use it for like practice on like practice videos. Like if they need to record how to operate bear spray. Yeah. That's awesome. I had no idea. Cause you're not just supposed to like throw it away. Right. Do you know what you can do with like fuel canisters? Have you found any, any drop-offs for those? Because like, there's been times I fly somewhere and I got fuel from my stove, but then when I'm leaving, like I'll buy fuel there and then I have half a tank. So I've always just gone to like a local REI and give it to an employee and like, here, I just want to give this to you. And they were usually pretty excited, but I, bet I don't know so. if there's like donations or something you can do with that. Cause you can't fly with it. I don't think. Right. You can't fly with it. And we only, yeah, I've only run into that one time where we, it was in Jasper National Park and we had bought it for our trip and didn't use it all. And we just brought it to a thrift shop where they sure. would resell it because we didn't know what else to do with it. But yeah. I'm sure just, yeah, just gifting it to somebody would have been probably a better idea. Any <laughs> other backpacker would have been thrilled to get some free fuel. I mean, I would have been thrilled to find uh, fuel at a thrift store too. So probably get it, you know, on a discount. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's what we did with it, but I'm sure there is like a place people can go to recycle them properly. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Now I, I'm wondering, I'm sure like maybe your local recycling centers would take them. Yeah. But I mean, if there's fuel still in it, I don't, I just don't know. And I feel like wasteful telling them, you know, just to let them crush the can if there's fuel in it. So I'd rather give it to somebody who can use it. Yeah, exactly. Find your local park ranger. Yeah. And uh, and give them uh, some fuel. Yeah. Or go to a trail and just leave it in one of those trail angel boxes. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. That's People not leave a bad idea. Snacks and all types of food and who knows what else in those trail angel boxes for through hikers. 
Yeah. Any through hiker would be so ecstatic to get some free fuel. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I'm guessing a through hike isn't on your mind if you're not really a solo backpacker. Well, I, I'm not opposed to it. I just don't know when I would do it. I'm really having a good time doing what I'm doing. So if there's ever a season in my life where I have, what is it, six, seven months to take off and do a through hike, I, I think I would, I would love it. I'd really enjoy it. I'm sure I'd meet people out there, um, but it's definitely not something I have on, on my list currently. Right. I mean, you have a pretty awesome lifestyle now, just like having the balance of work and so much travel all at the same time. You really have the best of best of it all, I feel. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, my, my secret is uh, not getting married and not having kids. So <laughs> it allows you to really move quickly. And I mean, obviously, having a family, um, you know, there's a lot of benefits to that. And um, but when you're single, you can move quick, you can you can live in kind of rugged environments and and have a lot of fun. Right. For sure. I know before, before we got on this podcast, I was talking to my husband, I was like, yeah, this guy like lives in his car. And he was like, oh, is he single or with a family? Because if he's a family, you need to find his tricks for this. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure, you know, once you have littles, you have to have an RV at, or, or maybe a van but to take care of those kids and give them the space they need to really develop, you got to give them some more space than to say, all right, we're all going to cram in this hatchback and go on an adventure. So I know. I mean, that wouldn't even really be possible with like having a car seat in the car. Oh yeah. <laughs> the logistics yeah. of it all just what a diaper bag. And yeah, there's definitely minimal. <laughs> you have to utilize every, every square inch. So maybe you can get like a little, um, like one of those things that go up on their ski racks and that's where you can put all the, the baby toys and right. whatnot, <laughs> not the car seat. People listening don't need, I don't need emails about that. The car seat gets buckled in properly at all times. <laughs> Parenting tip. Number one. <laughs> number one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We've definitely like thought about like the vans though. Like there's so many families that can live in a van comfortably. Yeah, especially the one like I mean they make them amazing now. Like the roofs pop up. There's a whole bed up there and ele elevator beds in um, is it Winnebago that makes those? There's like an actual elevator like mechanism and it electronically goes up and down and and like this is incredible. I would never want to leave the van. I'd never go outside. <laughs> so. Your other trick is just live in a hatchback that's not luxurious. Then you're outside all the time because inside is terrible. <laughs> yeah. So um, do you find yourself like hanging out in parking lots often to <laughs> get onto free Wi-Fi? <laughs> um, unfortunately, with COVID, I have found myself working from a random parking lot um, occasionally. And my favorite time was in Hanksville, Utah. I don't know. It just was, I think it was my first time. Had my phone as a hotspot and the computer set up and was working. I was like, this is, I, I think I'm doing it now. Like that's when it really hit. Like, okay, you're living in a car. <laughs> like this is happening. Um, and then, you know, pre-COVID, you could do coffee shops. You could do um, various lobbies of, you know, sometimes they have like an open meeting room libraries um 
things like that. But yeah, COVID has put me in the car a lot more. It's also been harder to find campsites, harder to find showers. Uh, and that sort of just goes back to, you know, you just got to follow whatever the, the guidance is when you're at the place and, and realize it's going to be rough um, and things are going to change. Yeah. Harder to find showers. I suppose. So did you ever think of getting like a membership to like the gyms? I know some people do that. I haven't done a membership. I just will go to whatever random gym is there and get a day pass. Um, I'm not showering daily. Um, don't have the best hygiene. <laughs> and so, um, uh, you know, I can just pay the five or $10 it is for a day pass workout and then shower. And I don't, see the same gym over and over and over again. So the people who do that, I assume they kind of stick in the same areas and it works for them. Um, I've also like every so many nights when I'm on the road, I'll get really tired out and just want to get like a hotel room. So I get a cheap hotel and rest up there. And then state parks have great showers, uh, beaches have showers. So you just kind of find them. Um, and take advantage of the opportunity when it's there and realize you might not get one for another five days. Um, but then with COVID, what was hard is you'd go to a beach where they have showers, it's advertised that they're showers, and then you show up and find that they've shut them down for COVID reasons, but the beach is open. And so you're like, okay, do I wanna shower in the ocean or is that gonna make me more dirty than I am now? And you just start weighing the odds and um, you, you just roll with it. Right, for sure. Because yeah, you could just like dip in the lake. But then there's also like the question of if you actually are bathing properly and using like soap and shampoo, sure. then right. you probably that would be technically polluting the lakes also. Yeah, yeah. I personally have not done it. But I know I mean, I know there's biodegradable soap out there, but I haven't really done the research to see what does biodegradable actually mean. And various environments, it might still be harmful. Um, I mean, they've even done research and like popular beaches will have issues with just the sunscreen. People go into the beach, into the water with, will come out and kill coral and fish and stuff. And we had no idea that was going on. So oh wow, I would think, yeah, even just a little bit of biodegradable soap could have a pretty big impact. Right. So truly just be dirty and don't shower is the answer here. <laughs> be resourceful and willing to be flexible. Um, of course, wet wipe showers, I should mention that. Yep. I've done that before. And then there's also people who have like the like gravity showers. I haven't gotten one, but I've, I'm aware of these. It's basically like a big bag you fill with water and hang from like a tree and you can just kind of shower from that. Yeah, those, I've seen those. Those look like, a, I call that like luxury camping. <laughs> Hey, if you're calling a like a gravity shower luxury, that that means a lot. That 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 shows that you've gone pretty deep in the camping world. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> my my standards aren't very high at all when I go camping. For sure. Oh, I should mention hot springs too. You never know. And you might be in an area with a hot spring, which again, don't use soap, but you can get in there and rinse off the sweat and you know, enjoy the the hot spring. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, is there anything else that we haven't talked about? Any other part of your traveling journey and story that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think we kind of hit all the highlights. So um, no, I don't think I do. If anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out and I'm always happy to chat. 
Do you have a website or is it the Instagram where people can reach Right out? now, all I have is Instagram. So just speaking quite frankly is the place to go on Instagram. And uh, eventually I'll be launching the, um, the marketing business as well. But even for that, just head over to speaking quite frankly and we can chat from there. Awesome. Well, hey, hit me up if you're ever in an area that I'm in, <laughs> wherever I am. <laughs> wherever you are. I'll let you know if I ever head north and um, we'll be in touch. Yeah, for sure. This was awesome connecting with you. Yeah, great meeting you. We've loved doing this podcasting journey. We love bringing awesome guests on. We love seeing that people are listening. And we're really, really grateful that this is hopefully inspiring other people to get outdoors. Yeah, and as part of our mission at Hiking Through Life, we really want to help support others in continuing their journey or starting their journey into the outdoors. So as part of that, we have plans for future episodes to address some listener feedback. So if you have questions about backpacking, hiking, adventuring outdoors, let us know. Email hikingthroughlife at gmail.com and submit us your question or topic and we'll possibly address it in a future episode. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.